as parents, we're trying to shepherd our children to guide them, and we can't tell them what to think in the end. Like they've got to eventually decide what they think is true and what is good. Hopefully, it lines up with scripture and the things that we've taught them. But we can tell them what to think about. Here we go. Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Yeah. Talk about them when you Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz and Pastor Tony Trussoni. Good afternoon, Ben. How are you doing today? Uh, doing pretty well. How are you? I'm doing well. So I've been enjoying it. It's getting slightly warmer here in Maine. Uh, I'm sure it's substantially warmer there, right? I'm going to guess. I didn't check the temperature, but uh, does that mean for you that the snow is beginning to thaw? Or Oh, yes, it is. So, And uh, it's been interesting seeing the weather changes. And I mean, in Maine, you know, spring means that it's it goes into sub-zero temperature only three or four times in a week. But, you know, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we have yellow clouds like swirling around of, of pollen, so oh, you may remember a little bit of that from Tacoa. Yeah, yeah, maybe the grass isn't always greener, but uh, we're in, in Maine, there's what's called mud season right now, so it's, uh, <laughs> nice. it's very muddy, so it's been, it's beautiful though at least, and, and less cold though. Okay, well good, good. Yeah, yeah, and as it gets into the kind of the warmer months, uh, what's interesting to me as a history nerd is uh, that uh, is why, you know, big movies tend to come out and that. Are you aware of why uh, warmer months has historically been when kind of the big movies have come out? I'm not. Yeah, so uh, dude, the term blockbuster, we kind of just have that me as like a meaningless term, and actually it has like historical roots. So in like the summers uh, before you know AC was prevalent, it used to be the case that the like some of the few places with air conditioning used to be uh, movie theaters, and so you know people would you know uh, on really hot days you know basically it would bust the block when people wanting to get in get inside, to, and, and so they would have big movies. Movies as, as you know, take advantage of people want to get inside the movie theaters, and that's why historically, as we've gotten towards the, as months have gotten warmer, more movies have come out. And it didn't used to be the case that there was a second, uh, you know, second blockbuster season in the winter like there is now. But interesting, I did not know that. Yeah, so we're gearing up. You know, as blockbuster seasons gotten earlier and earlier, we're kind of gearing up for it. I mean, I know that uh, we've got uh, a Marvel movie coming out in the coming weeks, and it used to be the case that recently, that April, you'd see a lot of huge, huge movies. So uh, that I assume that you won't be making any changes in your life because of that, though, right, Ben? That's a good guess. Uh, I actually didn't know there was a Marvel movie coming out. So. <laughs> It shows you kind of. I did know that the the new Batman, because I will say of, of the superhero stuff, and and Batman is a different kind of superhero. But I was aware that the new Batman had come out, and I'd seen a few trailers, and was interested. Beyond that, uh, yeah, I'm just not aware. Yeah, yeah, I saw well, that. And I've heard something about that Disney one that sparked some controversy. Yeah, I saw that movie in theaters, uh, the new Batman movie, and I have to say 
that uh, you know it was very it was intense it was it was pushing as a PG-13 film, but it was pushing the PG-13 label. In fact, it almost was a rated R film, which really brings us to, you know, our topic today about mature content and whether or not we should, you know, watch a lot of these kind of stuff and listen to that kind of stuff. So I want to ask you, Ben, we talked about movies before, but how often do you watch R-rated movies? And how about your kids? Well, first off, do we need to issue like a parental advisory uh, label on this or something? Maybe we uh, do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do not watch a lot of R-rated movies, and partly it's because I don't watch a lot of movies in general. Uh, I'm not utterly opposed to them. There's some I'm just not going to watch because yeah. of, of what what makes it R-rated. There's some things that I would, I mean, I've seen them, and I, I would watch it again and, and not feel bad about that. Uh, my kids never have and they probably won't for a little while I mean just given their age and maturity level and stuff I don't see any compelling need to to show them uh, any of those kind of films yeah how about you yeah so uh, I will watch that kind of stuff you know once in a while I mean not frequently uh, but you know uh, that I'm really selective with R-rated films or really that kind of mature content uh, I won't rule it out but I do like I like Oscar-worthy dramas, you know, stuff that's going to be nominated if it doesn't have a lot of bad content in it. You know, I'm less worried about uh, some of the language and some of the, like, realistic violence. For example, one, Hacksaw Ridge, a very violent film, but, you know, I'm not sure that I was bothered by the violence in that case. But uh, now that kind of spoils a lot. But our kids have never watched or rated our film and probably won't for quite a long time uh, with the maybe the exception of like Saving Private Ryan uh, in late high school. So, you know, I, I remember, I think in my high school, we watched Saving Private Ryan, which was kind of common. But Yeah, I went with my dad and I think my grandpa, who my, my grandpa saw combat in Vietnam, but I mean, you see the guy walking around with his arm and stuff. And I mean, it's just, it's brutal violence, yeah. but it's, it is realistic from, from what I've heard about, you know, about war. Uh, but it's not just like this, ruthless kind of you know slasher film or something yeah so and and i think you know we've talked about images of jesus before uh and i tend to be a little more conservative on that or cautious and so but if i had a slightly different view i think maybe our kids would watch you know the passion of the christ maybe not you know uh, I mean, we don't have any, like, uh, toddlers, but I would probably wouldn't have a toddler watch Passion of the Christ, but I could see that. I watched it in high school, and, you know, I don't think there was anything wrong with that, so. You watched part of it in high school, at least. I watched the whole Passion of the Christ in high school. Oh, I thought you fell asleep or something. <laughs> no, I was eating popcorn it. during it, so. <laughs> and people were looking at me all bad, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. That's what I wasn't a Christian yet, so. But... <laughs> Now, is it sinful to watch R-rated movies, uh, M-rated TV shows, or listen to what's called M-rated music? I don't think inherently. Um, I don't think it, that it is. There's not a rating guide that's appended to the back of your Bible. <laughs> no. You know, I mean, the, those rating systems are, you know, they're man-made, and they're, it's, from what I understand, made by people within the movie industry. So that's not like what should guide our, our conscience. Uh, I think it can be, but the same could be said of a lot of content that's rated, if you want to call it below R-rated. Yeah. There's could be things like, oh, that's not worth your time or that would be downfall. It's sinful uh, for you to expose yourself to that. 
Yeah, I, I would definitely say in many cases it's not sinful in that sense. And, and I'll say even when it's cases where, you know, characters on film do things that don't exactly glorify God, I'm not sure that we, you know, participate in the sin. We're not robbing a bank when we see a film with somebody robbing a bank. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, if... I don't think that you can say it's wrong to hear someone uh, swear or do drugs when it's portrayed negatively, for example. You know, uh, sometimes that there's, you know, even before, you know, rated R films and stuff like that, there's there's benefit from showing that reality. I mean, we came up in the generation of Dare, which maybe wasn't terribly effective, but nobody would have said it's wrong to show people what those are in a negative way. Uh, you know, uh, the it'd be hard to really... Uh, say that that's wrong with uh, that without a significant biblical argument against those kinds of things. I mean, even to be frank, a lot of these mature contents portrayed negatively are in the Bible, and so you know to say that that's inherently wrong, you know, it's it's not one to one because obviously reading the Bible is very different than seeing a movie right. you don't need to see. But it's hard to justify reading the Bible when you're going to say you shouldn't watch these kinds of things on screen, so or listen to these kinds of things mentioned. Uh, or, you know, that, or whatever it might be, read these kinds of books with, you know, characters like N-Word Jim, for example. You know, I think that's a good point. Like, we did an early episode on how the Bible is not G-rated. And so, and I think that was the name of it, so I should go back and check that out. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that's not family-friendly. Um, it's not, you know, there's verses in the Bible that they're not going to be the verse of the day on Christian radio and that kind of thing, you know. And JL took the tent peg and drove it through his skull. <laughs> but it, again, I think intent matters. And um, yeah. So. Good point. So now, though, I'm a movie fanatic. I, I want to be clear, by the way, we're not just talking about film. Uh, we're talking about music and you know, let it, all kinds of things. Uh, so I want to ask, for all of these kinds of things, is it sinful for those under 17 or students at certain colleges with rules uh, to watch the rated R movies, the M-rated TV shows, or the M-rated music? I think it depends. Um, I mean, if they're lying to do so, like lying to get into a movie theater or getting a ticket for, I don't know, some you know Disney film and then running off to the R-rated one, or if they've agreed, I'll be governed by these rules and this is how I'll conduct myself, and then they go do that, I think that that is an issue of integrity, but not so much uh, that, that there's this inherent wrong in watching or taking in that kind of content. Uh, those ratings are not determined by the Bible. It could be sinful um, or unwise, but that, the same could hold true for their grandma. Uh, th their age is not the primary determining factor. I think there's other issues of authority that yeah. you're considering in, in that situation. Yeah, so uh, I, I think that it's important to note with these kinds of things because we think about these, you know, with those kind of maturity ratings. Uh, the seven, like the seventeen, you know, rated R is supposed to be seventeen and under, uh, you know, as uh, it becomes an issue. But the, in those cases, really, all content situation, it's not really a law that people are called to submit to. It's just kind of an advisement from an independent agency. I mean, nobody is that uh, it, there's no state or federal government that is saying that this thing is rated R, this thing is PG or whatever. It's an independent group. Uh, although there is some government interaction with that. Uh, but I mean, our kids uh, have watched, I mean, our kids are not 13, but have watched 
a few PG-13 films before, and I, you know, I don't think that the FBI is going to break down my door, nor should they, <laughs> over that kind of thing. So we've been okay, very selective. What is R? If you can be under seventeen, but you have to be accompanied by an adult, and there's NC seventeen, and you just you can't be under that age or something like that. Yeah. So that's even then, that's not really a law. That's more of like a theater. You know, basically, it's like an agreement between. Uh, distributors and, and movie theaters and stuff like that. It's, you know, it's more for the sake of kind of guarding, you know, guarding the theater and stuff like that. But it is, I mean, I was an employee of a movie theater in high school and we were told to kind of police it, but, you know, I'm not policing it. I can't throw somebody in jail for it. So <laughs> anyway, but I'll add, you know, with the like certain colleges things, this is relevant to Ben and I and some of our background. Uh, I think that we... I was very flippant with this issue when I was in college, and I probably broke these rules a lot. And, and I think I'm not sure how overtly we can call it sin. It's 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 at least uh, unwise sometimes to break those rules. And so I think that Christians should think long and hard about what they bind themselves to. Uh, you know whether or not they should be binding themselves to rules when they're adults uh, in ways that you know. I don't know, treat them as children, for example, or, you know, kind of become an effective legalism. But can this, uh, that we, I think we've both shown that, you know, it's not inherently sinful in these kind of cases, but can this ever be sinful, or at least can this ever be foolish to kind of ignore some of those restrictions? I, yeah, for sure. Uh, there's plenty of garbage or just absolute triviality that you have to say, is this worth this much of my time? Um, and, and you need to ask yourself, what kinds of things are you seeking? What are you dwelling on? What are you celebrating or yeah. seeing celebrated? And, and all those kind of factors flow into it. And so, yes, it can certainly be sinful in some cases or foolish for you to, for the, the formation of your soul and your mind and the trajectory of your life. Yeah, it, yeah. it's not like it's not as though it has no impact. Yeah, I, I think there are tens of the ethical decisions that we don't think about in these kind of things, I, I, you know, or we ignore. Uh, and for example, for me, I mean, I'm thinking a lot about teenagers or younger for this kind of thing. That uh, you know, parents with those in it, uh, I. I remember, you know, being 14, 15 and lying, you know, again, I don't think they're going to press you if you don't have an ID, but, you know, I remember, you know, lying to get into the movies that I, I wasn't supposed to see. And, you know, that, you know, I, I think pretty clearly that was sin of me to do that. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, and that kind of deception that is involved in these kind of things, it, it's not God glorifying to do those kinds of things. It's not God glorifying to hide content, which happens with these kinds of maturity ratings. So, uh, and I, I do think that wisdom can also be heeding that God in his common grace uh, that, that allowed experts uh, to give these re labels for a reason. You know, I mean, it's God is the one who created the minds of, of these groups of experts, psychologists and whatnot that assign the maturity rating. And so at times I, I think it's foolish of us to just say, oh, you know, it's fine yeah, for our kids or for ourselves, you know, when, I mean, certain groups are like, hey, you know, maybe this isn't the healthiest thing for somebody who's under 17. Uh, again, not saying it's overtly sin, but maybe ignoring wisdom and benefits that God has given us. Uh, but I, I think a lot of these kind of rules that are given by organizations, college rules, I know of a case 
place for church made people sign something that they wouldn't see this kind of thing. So, I mean, they are problems in and of themselves, but especially yeah. when you give your uh, word, I think that uh, we should submit to things without, a, even if we don't agree with them at times. I mean, when we give a vow, I mean, the Bible isn't, isn't, you know, a vague with how we respond to our vows. Right. Now, does the Bible say anything about the content that we take in for enjoyment? And I think you alluded to some of this already, Ben. Well, it, it doesn't speak in the sense of when you watch movies or you listen recreationally to music, um, but it does address our minds and our contents and our hearts and our desires. And so, I mean, Romans 12, 2, for example, tells us to, to not be conformed to this age to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Uh, Philippians 4 tells us to think on things that are true and honorable and just and pure, lovely, commendable. If there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think on these things. And I mean, there's a lot more that could be said. You could go to Proverbs and other places that I think touch on the kinds of things that we're filling our minds and our imaginations with, uh, seeing it's it's portraying it's portraying something i know, uh, my wife and i were watching something last night it was a show and there's this in the particular episode the one of the bad guys was um she was an academic but she was also a criminal and then this they're trying to you know uh find out what she's doing arrest her and, and how this is all connected and you know, the woman is just unbelievably attractive. And I'm thinking, I don't, I just doubt that many people in this field who are academics look like that. <laughs> and, but, you know, it's just portrayed as like so glamorous and things like this. And the things she does, you know, they were kind of uh, suggestive and just the way she dressed. And I, I remember something Carl, I heard Carl Truman, as uh, a historian, give some lectures about. Um, the modern mind and stuff like that and related to some stuff he's written but he was saying too how like why do people watch the Oscars and things like that he said you know it's just it, there's even though there's on that stage and in that room there's how many divorces how many admittances to mm -hmm. drug rehab how many abortions um, are represented in this room I mean just absolutely just all sorts of, of bad stuff but yet people watch it because there's something about the glamour that we want and so I think you're asking yourself just what is shaping you and especially it, it, the volume that you're taking in so yeah so that that's my Thoughts. What, what so, about you? So generally, generally, what I can take away from this, Ben, is that Ben Plaz finds economics uh, that ugly, and uh, he and he <laughs> believes that if you're smart, you can't be attractive. Uh, that about sums it up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No. So the I, I I think those are great passages. I mean, a lot of those are some of the ones that I had. But I, I will add to this. I mean, a one specific issue what I feel strongly about with this kind of content stuff is going to be with lust. And and I think that this applies with sexualized content 
and not just films or you know TV shows because I, I mean I know of one of the most popular songs among teenagers a couple of years ago when I was in student ministry uh, like by far chart topping was a song that let's just say if there was like a movie if the song was made into a movie or a TV show I mean this would be like causing like an uprising I mean it, it's more sexual than you can possibly imagine it was massively popular now, I, I, some of the passages that come to my mind, I mean, that uh, Matthew 5, 28, I mean, Jesus' words, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with a lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his, his heart. I mean, people are committing adultery in their heart when they listen to music, when they watch TV shows, when they go to movie theater sometimes, or, or you know, go ahead. Oh, well, books. I mean, like, you probably saw Ooh. this when, when we worked uh, for that company that did, you know, had uh, uh, what do you call them? Customers who are libraries, and you know, seeing the contents. That, I mean, I know it was read a lot and checked out a lot. Those those Fifty Shades, uh, that trilogy or whatever. I don't know. Maybe there's more than that. But um, I've not read them. But I've heard that it is. It's about like that song you were describing, yeah. um, as far as the level of graphic content. Yeah, absolutely. So. And uh, I think also Psalm 119, verse 37, and it says, Turn my eyes, I'm looking at worthless things, and give me life in your ways. And I think, I mean, that worthless things can be, you know, that kind of sexual morality, but it also can be, I mean, there's a lot of worthless things that we enjoy. And, you know, and films and books and, and those kind of things. I mean, I think maybe this applies to some kind of gratuitous violent films, you know, that where it's just kind of delighting in the violence rather than it being there as, you know, kind of descriptive of the scenario. So mm-hmm. now how does the content that we allow ourselves to take in kind of speak to our theology or do you think this has nothing to do with theology? Yeah, I think it does. Um, I think it, it shows whether or not we think our theology is just about thinking or whether it actually deals with living too. Um, do we disconnect body and soul? Uh, do we think that what's done in the body affects the soul? And those are those are theological questions. And I think that the answer is yes, uh, that the body, of what we do in the body can affect the soul. What you do, it can create a, a greater desire for that. Um, I mean, and I think it's, empirically shown i mean take pornographic uh material for instance people who are delving into that there's sort of a diminishing returns and then they they go for more and then it has to be edgier and um and there's strong uh, from what i've read ties between people who then act on that it's not just enough to view these things then you get into all sorts of other sin in the body um, but I mean, what you're taking in with your eyes and feeding yeah. your imagination, it, it affects your soul. And so it is, it is deeply theological. Yeah. So I would add just a few things. I think uh, the theological issues that come to my mind is, I mean, with the image of God, I mean, are the women that we are looking at as if they're meat made in the image of God? 
Uh, you know, I mean, are these actresses and actors made in the image of God? That's a theological question, which obviously would say yes. Uh, and how does holiness, I mean, holiness is a major doctrine in scripture. Where to be holy is God the Father is holy. And how does holiness uh, mean being set apart in regards to media choices? And lastly, you know, I think we separate leisure time from, you know, theology, but leisure time as all things is always a theological issue. And so how, you know, we understand our leisure time, what purpose of the time which we're not working in at church is really for. Yeah, those are good points. Now, do most Christians think uh, if what they watch or hear glorifies God? I've not done any surveys, um, but I'd say that many probably don't. And I can't say, I mean, I'm not going to try to get into most or not, but I'm sure it's not an uncommon thing. And it may be under the excuse, well, it's not real. I mean, I know it's pretend. Um, And so... Yeah, and I've had conversations with people or just going, I never thought about that. So it wasn't even an excuse. It's just sort of a a lack of – it's a blind spot um, seeing or not seeing how theology connects to life. Yeah, so I, I like you. I mean, I'm sure that to a, to a degree that most Christians do think about and, and what they read, you know, whatever glorifies God. I mean, uh, but you do see crazy, I mean, stats that show that a lot of people don't that much. I mean, uh, I, I was reading some numbers that showed tons of church-going Christians, especially among young adults, watched Game of Thrones. I mean, it was like the rates among church-going, like young adults that watch Game of Thrones was not substantially different from, you know, the society at large. And, and that says something. Like, Game of Thrones is, like, famous. I mean, I've never seen Game of Thrones for a reason, personally. Uh, but, you know, even SNL does skits about it. Uh, you know, how over-the-top that kind of stuff is. Uh, but uh, the... I, I, I mean, I remember, I mean, as a statement of this, I remember a conversation with a, a church elder, not at the church I'm at now, uh, but uh, the who is kind of coy really and kind of bring up casually watching you know particularly inappropriate content and you know it's like oh I know some people thoughts about it but we whatever we, we don't you know we, we can enjoy it and we really enjoy it so don't tell other people though kind of thing and I I mean that's not doesn't excite it shouldn't excite us i mean and i'm i you know and i need to be careful always about these things as we all need to as well so i I think it is sad that in most things there's not significant evidence that show that christians avoid some of the things that people enjoy a lot i think yeah i've not seen that show either though I, I have read enough to to know that I don't need to watch it. It's maybe a good plot, but there's also some glaring problems with it. And so now you said it is a good plot you've heard, and I've read that it gets outstanding reviews early seasons at least. So should Christians be willing to watch pornographic content if it surrounds really good plots? And again, I'm also referring to in music or you know in books, not just movies or TV shows. Well, I'll say this. My conscience says I certainly can't, and I think that Scripture would take us there too, just generally, that it's not just my oversensitive conscience. Uh, I think when you cross the line in into pornographic content, that is different than you see someone who's a just a, I don't know, pathological liar or someone who's a thief. Again, I mean, depending on how it's portrayed, but that does something to you, I think, on a different level. And I think most people, I mean, I can't make some scientific argument 
about it necessarily. Though, I mean, there is research that talks about what, you know, people who view pornography, how it does rewire the male brain in particular. I don't know about with females. Research has been done on that. But there is something neurologically going on there that may not be happening when you see someone tell a lie. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying it has no no bearing, but that it does something different to you. And I think most people that have ever witnessed that or who are adults or who've ever been sexually active, you can say, yeah, th- this is a different thing. And we just all know that. Um, so, yes, I think scripture would take us away from that, that, that avoiding sexual immorality. Yeah. But it seems like you would probably agree. Yeah. I mean, I'd add just a couple things. I mean, e- even if it's for the story, even if the pornographic content is for the story, which I don't doubt, you know, if I was a lost person that was making, you know, films and stuff like that, you know, maybe I would think that some of the times it does support the story. Uh, but, you know, we need to understand that's not our, that's not our body and it's not our spouse you know, for, for our enjoyment in that kind of sense, it's mm-hmm. not, you know, their privacy exists for a reason and, you know, and it's not, that's not for us. And when we watch that kind of thing. So, uh, and further, I mean, this should be really obvious and, and this should be obvious when it comes to sports and all kinds of things, but our neutral entertainment doesn't cancel our sin. You know, that I'm sure it's fine that, you know, that's great that you're enjoying the scene of, you know, a sword fight where there's no sin involved, but that doesn't negate, it obviously doesn't negate our sinful actions that surround it. Uh, You know, we should be willing to give up those kind of things for it. And so, I mean, I think the this problem though doesn't just go to the kind of things that are the easy you know attacks for christians i mean this kind of problem i i think is a question that we should even ask with things like the christian film that i think was pretty popular redeeming love i mean mm-hmm. I, i'm aware that you know redeeming love uh you know is a made by christian producers and it required uh you know a woman you know, a woman and a man to be naked with each other on set that were definitively not married and you know and <laughs> And that, you know, that's a question that, that should bother our conscience. That, so. Yeah, that's not something that either of our jobs ever requires of us to, to you know, benefit the saints. No. So, and, and I read something, you may have read the same thing, where the, the guy was making the con, uh, the uh, the observation that essentially we are asking them to sin to entertain us. Even though, well, you know, it's not real. They weren't actually doing that. But it's like, well, they actually were <laughs> almost doing that oh yeah yeah totally (laughs) they were certainly lusting so it's hard to deny they weren't (laughs) unless they were both monks which i don't think so (laughs) or unconscious yeah exactly (laughs) which yeah anyway so now is we've talked about nudity and pornographic content so but is violent content past bounds in these same kinds of way possibly depending on the level you mentioned sword fighting or you know people fist fighting i'd say probably not even the depiction of murder maybe but maybe not i mean it depends if it's just gratuitous violence just violence for violence sake i probably so i think it just depends on what kind of violence yeah I, I think that we should make some differentiation here, mainly from the fact that violence is simulated in a way that nudity isn't uh, on screen. You know, I mean, I, I, when you see a film with, a, you know, a naked woman, 
an actual woman is naked when they're making the film. You know, they're telling a woman you to get naked. You know, they're and they're making the woman like meat for the sake of your entertainment. Uh, when you see a movie, you know, where somebody, you know, a war happens, somebody gets shot, uh, unless a rare case by accident in a western movie, they, you know, nobody's actually getting shot. Uh, although, again, actually, I think that uh, the Bruce Lee son died that way, too. So, but uh, and, and generally, that's not the intention. Nobody's actually getting having violence performed against them when those are happening. So, uh, but violence can and violence, I think, can be a tool. It can show a hard, brutal things uh, like, you know, like war is a hard and brutal thing or even, you know, if you have if you're fine with Passion of the Christ and displaying Christ, you know, I think there's a merit to showing how awful, you know, crucifixion really was, you know, and so violence can be, have a good in a way, maybe so, but, you know, torture porn to me, you know, that's, I mean, there's a term torture porn for these kind of films that, you know, they just do the most, uh, you know, a brutal, you know, intense, you know, the, your, in, your entertainment is being driven by, you know, imagining that kind of suffering. It, I mean, that's another kind of issue. You know, and, mm-hmm. and I think even a lot of law secular psychiatrists have shown, you know, that there is something deeply inappropriate about that kind of an entertainment, that what the enjoyment of that. Yeah, I mean, and there's broader, there's pockets that, uh, that enjoy, you know, sadism and things like that. And yep. so um, it is deeply disturbing. Now, we've talked some, we've told some Christians to avoid certain things. So I need to ask, are we just being legalistic, Ben? <laughs> maybe some but again what's done in the body and with the mind affects the soul and i think some of this is pretty clear extrapolation from scripture it's not like well if there's you know one f word it's okay but if it has like five it's yeah not, i mean we're not making these kind of you know rabbinical uh you know halakha or something so i think and I grew up in a, a fairly conservative environment, you know, King James only church and that kind of thing. And so there was sort of an eschewing of the world. And I mean, Christians are we're to flee from worldliness. We're also to engage with the world. And, and it wasn't like angry fundamentalism. But that, that conservative strain is certainly there. And it still uh, influences me. Probably in some good ways, but maybe in some ways that aren't always the most helpful. So it's hard to because because this is I think this touches on areas of conscience clearly. There are some things that would bother yeah. someone's conscience that may not someone else, and, and the Bible doesn't give us these clear cut guidelines. But I think that overall we're trying to just look at what Scripture says and then work out from there. Yeah. And I don't think we've made. I mean, we, we did make some specific calls, maybe called into question a practice in a particular movie or something like that. But I don't think we're, we're far off the marks, you know, no. enjoying gratuitous violence for the sake just of your own amusement. That's not good. And, you know, the nudity and things like that. Um, and it's not. Yeah, I mean, like we took a uh, my wife and I did a, a birthing class. And so, like, we see a, a woman giving birth but that that was the intent of that was not to arouse you yeah. know it's, it's about like this is what's going to happen um and so intent matters too and i mean in a lot of this context the the intent is not educational yeah 
I, I think it's interesting with this legalism question that, you know, uh, that the kind of calls like, you know, don't watch pornography in films, you know, or, you know, similarly, you know, you should probably attend church on Sunday, even when your kids got, you know, some sporting event. Uh, you know, these are the kind of matters that really nobody would have called, even theological liberals would have called legalism until relatively recently. Yeah, I, and I'd add further, you know, the in these kind of areas, I think we have clear biblical principles, and, you know, we're called to love our neighbor. Uh, and, I mean, that applies to situations like, in situations where women are told, you know, they have to look a certain way and certain way in areas where they're not called exposed, uh, you know, and saying that that's not okay uh, is not really legalism. Uh, and I think, lastly, the legalism flag should really never be a justification for carnality or injustice. Legalism is a real problem, but it saddens me when we use that flag in these kind of unhelpful ways. Does watching what our neighbor neighbors watch help our evangelism like is this if we watch these kind of shows is this going to really help us really reach people you know because that way you know we're experiencing the same things they're experienced ben many people have made that case almost to the point of necessity i think that there can be some value and, and some awareness is good we also have a limited amount of time and so we have to make decisions about what we're going to watch and if it gets into things that we think, yeah, this is just not going to be edifying for me. This is not going to help me love the Lord more. There's other ways that you can find points of contact with your lost neighbors. Yeah. I've heard this argument used a lot, like sadly, by people, you know. Uh, and But I think that to this, I mean, this is something we've talked about in other areas. We need to really trust that the gospel is going to be enough to reach people. And, uh, you know, the God's people have always really been a light by being different rather than by being the same. And mm -hmm. So I think thinking that we can somehow save them to something by, you know, being the same as them is pretty silly in a lot of ways. So, so actually, I think really, you know, when you were engaging with our lost neighbor, you know, that was the ask us, you know, coworker ask us, did you see the last night's game of throne? I think respectfully saying you can't watch game of thrones, not as a high and mighty thing, uh, might provoke gospel conversations. I know this is pretty dated reference, by the way, because game of thrones hasn't been on for a while. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's still a cultural thing though. Yeah. Yeah. What I hear. So I, I legitimately think that could provoke, I mean, some kind of gospel differentiation, you know. I mean, even I think about actually one of my kids was in kind of engaged with some people who don't know Jesus and uh, some kids, other kids his age. And uh, that one of the other kids said, you you know, you only go to church, I, I think, because your dad's a pastor. And, and I think that being able to show that they're different, it just really adds to the evangelism. Not to say that my child was claiming that. I don't think my child was claiming that at all. But, you know, that's what the, this other lost person thought. Hmm. So anyway, now, should content standards for our kids be any different than they would for, uh, you know, adults. I mean, obviously we're saying, you know, adults shouldn't watch a lot of pornography and, you know, and shouldn't watch the most extreme torture porn type deal. But should this be the same for our kids? Should we just say, you know, everything that we're cool with for me and you, Ben, is fine for a two-year-old? <laughs> I think that to some extent uh, the standards can be different and, and should be different. 
showing them things that will frighten them, for instance, isn't needed. I mean, my wife's parents made the decision of certain, even certain Disney films they felt that had some dark elements. Uh, they made the decision not to show uh, Tiffany when she was younger. And she, there were some that she saw when she was in college. And she said, looking back, I think, especially depending on what age she may have been, she agreed that she probably would have been scared by some of it. Yeah. And I think some of it's knowing your children. But there's also some, I think, clear lines for many people, though. I know someone who was, as a small child, uh, either taken to the theater or it was, you know, back in the days of VHS, like saw Interview with a Vampire or something. And I mean, had like, you know, terrible nightmares yeah, sure. from it. I mean, that is not, and I've not seen that. I've just seen clips of it, but I've heard it's, you know, it's, it's edgy. Um, and so they're less able to discern between good and evil and between what's real and what's yeah. fiction. And so there's just a whole lot of things going on there. So I think that there are things that it would be okay. I mean, I'm not going to show my, uh, 11, 8, and almost 5-year-old Saving Private Ryan, you know, on uh, the anniversary of D-Day, yeah. just, well, this is, you know, this is what your grandpa, he was over in, in Italy near there, and, you know, I, that's just not, that's not what they need at that point. Yeah, so, I, I definitely think so. I mean, you know, even more based upon the age, you know, I, I can think of another movie, I don't see a lot of movies in theaters, and most of them tend to be superhero movies, and you can make fun of me for that if you want to, uh, but I loved, I actually really loved even the message between Spider-Man No Way Home, and, and it was just great lessons, I mean, f surprisingly, for a did you know, basically a Disney movie, uh, but, you know, I still, uh, and I, surprisingly not seen that. Yeah, I have and read I'll, a little bit about it. Well, probably we've got it coming in the mail. I'll probably let my oldest watch it with us. Uh, but, you know, there's no question our youngest, you know, it still wouldn't be well, a good idea for her to watch it yet. So, uh, you know, and even, I mean, there are things that, you know, I would find objectionable, but, you know, I'm willing to watch or be aware of that I wouldn't have my kids. Actually, an example of my, uh, we are both sinners, even though we do this podcast, an example of my failure in this was actually, uh, was turning red. I had read some, I usually watch stuff before our kids watch it, uh, and I had saw some people online really loved turning red and thought it was a really great message and you know some people i respected and so we decided you know we could use if one of the family movie night time and so we watched on disney plus turning red and that was a really really bad idea and it actually has i think it's interesting was that actually probably the message the the younger your kids are maybe the less dangerous the message was it's dangerous for all levels but you know especially for our oldest like that just not something we should not have taken her to but i mean if my wife and i wanted to watch you know that movie on a date night i don't know why we would but yeah, i wouldn't have been bothered by that so um you know it's weird to me though that at the same time with this kind of stuff with this different content standards that people tend not to apply this as much with kids i mean you see that uh, you see people take their kids to Avengers Endgame, for example. I remember seeing a ton of kids in that, which is a pretty violent uh, Marvel movie. Uh, but at the same time, you know, people won't introduce bloody Bible stories to kids, those same kind of kids. It's just such a weird phenomenon to me. <laughs> I don't know. Just random thoughts. So. I think that's a great observation. And we've talked about it, I think, on this podcast several years ago of how there was a, a pretty well-known publisher of Christian children's curriculum that 
intentionally cut out the cross because they thought you know, it was like you know too much for the kids to handle, and then they got to cut out the resurrection because like why is he rising again? How, you know why did he die? Uh, I mean that's just uh, it would be funny if it weren't real. Oh yeah, I mean that's kind of one of those. I'll say with that publisher. I feel like to me, like going back on that means like, dude, I, I'm going to work as a barista now. Like, cause like doing this is like, I have missed it so much that like, there's no, co- there's no color coding or fixing that, you know, anyway, but, uh, the, now, how can parents explain why things, uh, their kids, friends enjoy are off limits. Cause undoubtedly when we disciple kids in this, you, they're going to have friends. I mean, if they're teen, they might have that horrible song I'm referring to be one of their friends' favorite songs. I mean, turning red might be, I mean, undoubtedly huge. Turning red might be the most popular movie, uh, that all the kids in our kids at schools are talking about, even if it's a homeschool co-op. So how do we explain that to our kids? That's that can be a challenge. I think that, I mean, Proverbs four twenty three. I don't think we referenced this earlier, but it tells us to guard our heart because out of it flow the springs of life. And as parents, we're trying to shepherd our children to guide them, and we can't tell them what to think in the end. Like they've got to eventually decide what they think is true and what is good. Hopefully it lines up with scripture and the things that we've taught them. But we can tell them what to think about or help shape that, especially the younger they are. And so it comes down to do you trust us and do you do you trust that we love you and that we we know more about you, you know, you do than, you know, in the world. And there are things out there that are just not going to be helpful for you. We're not the parents of those other people. And I mean, we've had to have those kind of conversations in my own house uh, about things that other kids do that we've chosen not to. And we've tried to, to couch it in terms of wisdom and not portray ourselves as you know these wise crusaders, but just we, we've evaluated these things and we f- think that this is not the wisest thing, the best thing for us. Uh, you know. And so, yeah, that, that's something that we're right in the middle of. Um, but... That it, and it's okay to be, to, to not you know swim along with with uh, all the lemmings, and so um, yeah. How you know what what uh, I kind of mixed metaphors there, but <laughs> what uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's good. I I think we really need to teach them that following Jesus will set them apart. And, you know, they shouldn't scandalize them. This should be a normal part of a discipleship. As showing our kids that following Jesus means going, following a different path from the world. Uh, but I think then we, when we do it, we don't just guilt them. I think we should show them the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. That, you know, for as great as it would be to discuss turning grad or whatever with their friends, it's even greater to be able to know our Lord Jesus, you know. We don't miss out, really. Uh, but I think we that we need, may need to prepare them uh, to maybe cover their ears or leave when they're invited to situations. You know, I, I think that's one of the aspects of this is going to be, we might, you know, we're discipling our kids and we want them to be able to be a degree of a witness. You know, we might find them in situations where they know they're not supposed to, you know, play this video game as another, and I don't, I don't know why we even brought that up at all, but, you know, we say they can't play this Call of Duty game, for example, and we tell them, you know, you got it, you're going to have to walk out of the room in this and love your friend, or, you know, you're going to have to, 
you know, to call and go home. Uh, and, and this is how you can explain that. Uh, but it's going to be tough, but it's going to be sometimes really opportunities to, to point one another towards King Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's good. Now, uh, last question, is getting one of the content filter services really a, a simple solution to all of this? It's simple. I don't know this the solution. It's, it takes a lot more growth and wisdom and growth in walking with the Spirit and His empowerment and, and training our consciences from the Word that the Spirit gives us to be able to make those decisions as parents and for ourselves, but also as we guide the the young people that God has entrusted to our care, uh, and, and even within the church context. But it's not as simple as just, oh, if it's got this rating, then we, we filter it out. And if it doesn't have that rating, well, that must be okay. It, yeah. It's not nearly that simple. Yeah, I definitely don't think it hurts. I mean, it certainly, you know, it's better to watch a movie with the pornography cut out than it would be to watch it with it in there. Uh, but at the same time, I think still you have the question of supporting whether it's being made or not, you know? I mean, still even, it, it's similar to, you know, I mean, the gambling question and some things we brought up before. You know, you're still watching something that, you know, maybe it's not helpful for you to uh, be part of the numbers that allows that kind of movie to be made again or something like that. Uh, and uh, But it, again, if you are going to watch it, you know, we can't control people. I, I think this is better. You know, and uh, and maybe there are times in which Christians can benefit from investing in these kinds of things in case that, you know, for situations where it can cut out things that we're not aware of or something like that. But I definitely think, like you said, it can be more of a crutch rather than dealing with the hard issues. And what is interesting to me is that, I mean, a lot of these things are actually based upon more Mormon ideology than anything. The majority of these, one I understand, like the biggest companies are actually run by Mormons. So. Interesting. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I didn't just say, oh, just do away with that. Mm. But there is more to it. But you're right that, yeah, I mean, it can help. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, but uh, I think there's been a good discussion. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that our listeners don't use this to, uh, you know, to say that, you know, our, their job is to go and spend their weekend watching a most intense R-rated movie while uh, listening to some really horrible rap lyrics and uh, that, uh, you know, and reading, you know, Fifty Shades book at the same time. <laughs> there you go, man. Although maybe if they did those all at the same time, it would negate some of the negative influence just because they wouldn't be able to focus. <laughs> Well, I guess that is a good point. Anyway, well, it was a good discussion, brother, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week. And join us again every first and third Thursday.